Well, good morning, One Church. What's up? Wow. You guys are excited to be here. I hope that I know the front, I know the front row is. We're glad you're here. My name is Carlo. I get to be one of the teaching pastors here. We are continuing our series in Acts. This is our final series in the book of Acts, so you can go to onechurch.tv if you've missed any of those series, any of those messages. In this series, we're talking about real freedom, learning about real freedom as we study the life of the Apostle Paul in the early church found there in the last four chapters, three chapters of the book of Acts. Last week, we talked about being free from insecurity and being free from not being who God has called and created us to be. In fact, we learned that hiding in fear leads to fakeness and walking and freedom leads to purpose. So I hope this this last week that you've kind of unmasked and stopped trying to be someone that you're not. I hope that you're uh, exploring your shape. We talked about that, those spiritual gifts and your what's on your heart and all those things that God has given you. Again, go to onechurch.tv if you missed that message from last week. I've seen just through social media and other messages, a lot of people have been really taking those steps out of fear and into God's purpose for their life, and we're excited about that. Today, we'll be talking about being liberated from the storm, and we'll be in Acts chapter 27. It'll be on the screen, version app, uh, Bible app. In just a few minutes, we'll get there. Now, full disclosure, I wrote this message about two months ago, and I had no idea that we would be dealing with flooding and hurricanes and all of that stuff actually happening right now in our lives. So we continue to pray for all of those people who are being affected by what's going on down in the Carolinas, especially our friends and family there in the Fayetteville, Fort Bragg, Cape Fear region. They're being hit really, really bad. They say that right now that storm was about a Category 1 hurricane event, you know, tropical storm event, but it will be a Category 5 flooding event for the Fayetteville-Fort Bragg area. So the flooding they're going to experience is predicted to be as bad as if a Category 4 or 5 storm hit there. So let's continue to pray for them and help them. And, and uh, if you want to help out, you can go to Mana Church, Church. go to their website. They're partner churches with us. They are actually not doing service today in Fayetteville because they're serving as an emergency shelter for people who've had to be evacuated from off the banks of the Cape Fear River. So great place for you to give if you want to help in any way like that people that we love and trust. But so, so we're talking about the storms, and again, I just want to let you know this is not something we did to take advantage of the fact that there's a storm going on right now. Uh, but hey, I don't believe in coincidences, and I'm not saying God sent the hurricane so that we could have an awesome message, although I joked about that during the week. That, I don't believe that at all. I do believe that he'll use what's going on in the world right now to really help us understand even more what's going to happen in this text. So I have a love-hate relationship with storms. I grew up in West Central Florida in the Tampa Bay area in one of the lightning capitals of the country, one of the lightning capitals of the world. And so I've been through the tropical storms, tropical depressions, hurricanes, all of that stuff. It's nothing for us to deal with those type of events and roads flooding. It's just, it's what we do when you're from that part of the world. You know you're going to have afternoon thunderstorms every day. You know rain is going to come. I, I So no big problem with me in in, in storms like that. But when I moved up here, I had no idea uh, how bad ice storms and tornado-type weather could really impact the infrastructure around the area. And I grew up in Florida and never had as many power outages as I did than when I moved to Clarksville, Tennessee. Now, much love to our CDE family that might be in the room right now or watching online. We love you, but bruh, like the wind blows 30 miles an hour and we lose power for a couple hours. You guys, some of y'all live in those neighborhoods, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like it doesn't take much uh, for stuff like that to happen, especially 
when there's ice. I remember going 12 hours once without power. If you were here about 20 years ago, you remember big ice storm that came through. Some of you went several days without power. And I know that's kind of a first world problem, 12 hours with no power. What am I going to do? But context is everything. And we live in the United States. So yes, I'm going to complain about not having power for 30 minutes, right? You know, I'm paying for that, that, that power. And, and, but, but, but those things stink. And although I've experienced all of those type of things, I just was not prepared for one storm in particular. It was December 8th, 2013, a day that will live in infamy. No, that's not D-Day, uh, Pearl Harbor Day, but it's a day that messed me up and made me want to quit ministry. December 8th, 2013, a storm made me just want to throw in the towel and say, this is for the birds. I want to do something else. For those of you who don't know, OneChurch.tv uh, as it is now, used to actually be two separate churches, OneChurch.tv and Grace Life Church. And like one church, Grace Life Church, the church that I used to be the lead pastor of, we were also a portable church. That just means we came into a space like this, and we set up, did Sundays, and we had offices off-site. And, and so we were a portable church, and so we had to do the setup, tear down. And on that particular weekend, the 7th and the 8th of 2013, it was really icy, nasty weather. It's really bad. In fact, a lot of people had to cancel services. They couldn't even do church that day because school was going to be out and the power was out, and it was just a bad deal all around town. But we knew our facility was going to be open, and so we powered through. We were going to do service. And so that Sunday morning, I was with our set, uh, a couple guys from our setup team at our storage facility. We had like one of those climate-controlled storage joints that we would store like all our electronics and all that. So I go there. I'm inside. We're pulling out the sound gear. We get it loaded into the train trailer, and the power goes out. Now, if you've been in one of those facilities, you know they're, they're run on electronic gates, right? So the power went out as the ice storm's getting bad that morning, and we're stuck inside with our trailer and all of our equipment, and we can't get out because we're trapped because of the storm, stuck inside of there. So, uh, you know, that's kind of a dilemma when the pastor, me, is stuck inside a storage facility, and we got church that's going to happen in about 90 minutes. So my friend Kevin Porter and I, we found a way, translation, we tore apart their gearbox to manually open the gate to get out. And thankfully, the place we were doing our services, we were meeting in a community center, they didn't lose power, but the ice storm knocked out their heating unit. So someone well, well-intentioned well said, hey, I have a, like a portable heater I can bring in. And we thought, hey, well, that's fine. Bring it in. They didn't tell me they were bringing like a jet engine, a turbine torch inside the facility. So this thing is just roaring loud. It's 50 degrees throughout the whole building. You could see your breath walking around in there. And we still did service because that's just what you do. But I'm telling you, I wanted to, you can clap, yay, Jesus, but I wanted to quit. Just being all the way real. I'm not as Christian as some of y'all. I wanted to give up. Like, this is terrible. All because of a storm. All because of an ice storm. Storms. Storms can be beautiful and they can be scary, right? Storms can bring problems, but they don't last forever. Thank God for that. Storms, some storms are avoidable, but most are not. Storms are a part of our life. And here's the awesome news is that God is with us in the storm. He really, really is. Storms are a great metaphor for life because whether you believe it or not, everyone in this room is either in the middle of a storm, has just come out of a storm, or just wait a minute, you're about to go into one, especially in Tennessee, right? 15 minutes, the weather's going to change. 
That's just, it's such a powerful metaphor because all of us can relate to that ebb and flow of storm. Some of you here right now in this room, you're in the storm of your life, a hurricane of tension going on in your, in your job. Some of you are, are have dealing with this tornado of bills and financial stress and you don't know what to do. You might be here just flooded with health issues and you don't know how you're going to make it. Like me, you might be trapped in a facility due to an ice storm. No, seriously, you might feel trapped where you're at because of the storm. Stuff just keeps piling on and piling on and piling on and piling on. Have you been there? Three of y'all. So I'll talk to the rest. Of the, everyone else here is good. We're going to come to you for advice, right? I don't know about you, but I've been here multiple, multiple times in the storms. And here's one thing that I know is true. The bigger the storm, the bigger the temptation for us to focus on the storm And that's never going to lead us to a good place. But the hope we have, and it's our big idea today, is just simply this. Don't let the storm blind you from the one who is beside you. Don't let the storm blind you from the one who never leaves you. That's Jesus. He never forsakes you. That's Jesus. He's always with you. He's never left. He sees what you're going through. Don't let the storm get so bad in your life that it makes you lose focus from the one who's there the whole time. Don't let the storm blind you from the one who is beside you. So let's jump into Acts chapter 27. We're going to see how this big idea is actually lived out in one of my favorite storm stories throughout all of the Bible found in the book of Acts chapter 27, Paul's journey. So where we are contextually, uh, Paul has been on trial, multiple trials. Last week, we looked at Paul kind of giving his last defense, his final defenses and arguments, and now they have shipped him off to Rome. That's where they said they were going to send him. That's where he said he wanted to go. So they've shipped Paul off to Rome, and this is where the author jumps in. Verse 7 of Acts chapter 27 says this. We had several days of slow sailing. So we, we got to remember who's writing this, a man named Luke. He wrote the gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and he wrote the book of Acts. So Luke is actually with them on this journey, keeping document, uh, documenting everything that's going on. So he's giving us firsthand account of what's happened. And that's really cool to see this from this perspective because this is a third party telling us everything that's going on. It's not like Paul is embellishing this for his own glory. It's not like anyone is throwing their two cents. This is a guy who was along for the ride documenting what happens. He said, we had several days of slow sailing, and after great difficulty, we finally reached Snidus. But the wind was against us, so we sailed across to Crete and along the sheltered coast of the islands past the Cape of Salmon. We struggled along the coast with great difficulty and finally arrived at Fair Havens near the town of Lycia. We'd lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall, and Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. Now, this is Paul speaking. Many said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger of our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. When we get thrown into a storm situation, some people choose to trust in their own ego to get through the storm. Some people choose to put all their confidence and their trust in their own self and accomplishment. Your ego is just your sense of self. According to most psychoanalysis, your ego is what balances your impulses and your self-consciousness. But your ego is also 
your consciousness of your own identity. It's you knowing that you're a person and that you have gifts and skills and abilities. It's kind of your sense of self. Too much ego, and we get the overinflated negative connotation with that word. Do you know anyone who's, who's, who's full of themselves? If you don't, just go look in a mirror, and you're going to find the most egotistical person in your life, right? It's you. It's the battle of man. We want to be the center of the, the universe we know everything. Everyone else is dumb. We're always right. Everyone else is wrong. I see your Facebook post, so don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about, right? A lot of, we're full of self. Paul, he's there on this boat, and he tells the captain, hey, listen, man, if we sail, it's going to be bad news. And Paul knew what he was talking about. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul reveals to us that he'd been in three shipwrecks 2 Corinthians 11, Paul had been in three shipwrecks. Paul spent an entire day and night naked in the ocean in a shipwreck. Paul knew what he was talking about. He'd been in some bad. So he comes to them with his experience, and he tells them, listen, guys, things aren't going to go good if we sail. But the officer in charge listened to other people. He chose to pay more attention to the ship's captain and then to actually listen to the person who'd been through the trial, who knew the direction that they were going in. Maybe they thought, who is this criminal to give us advice? Maybe they thought, who is this guy? He, this is his first time. We don't know him. What does he know about our business? Either way, they completely put their faith in their own ego, in their own ability to get through. Well, it'll be all right. Well, I've got it. Ah, be quiet. And so they kind of just, yeah, yeah, whatever, blew him off. In those days, sailing was money. Sailing was life, and so maybe the owners didn't want to offend their customers. Maybe they didn't want to lose a profit, uh, you know, any profit. But what I do know is that they ignored very good advice, and they trusted in themselves. Don't we do the same thing? We make the same arguments when we're faced with storms in our lives. I've done this before. I've got this. I know what I'm doing. Who are you to give me advice? You know, that person says something that steps on your toes. You want to get defensive. Like, well, who do you think you are to say that to me? Paul is the man of God giving them God's word and God's guidance that, hey, this isn't going to be good if you keep heading the direction you're heading. And what do they do? They choose to go their own way. How many times has Pastor Chris preached about your issue and you just ignored it? How many times has he stood up here and warned you, hey, don't go in that direction, and you said, yeah, I know that, but I know it says this, but. How many times has someone in your small group or someone in your life given you wise advice and said, don't go that way, it's rough waters, but you sailed on anyway? I get goosebumps thinking of how much my ego has messed me up, how my sense of pride has kept me from doing the wise thing, which is listening, which is trusting in other people. We do it to ourselves all of the time. I heard this joke a while back. There were three stubborn, very stubborn, very proud, full of themselves, manly, manly men hiking through a forest. They suddenly come across this violent and raging river, with no real way to cross, and bad weather's coming in, and they've only got, you know, not, not a long time to get across. So being the proud, godly men they were, they were not going to turn back and give up. So they get down on their knees, and they start praying. One man prays, God, give me the strength to make it across this river. And poof, God gives him these big biceps and big back, and he jumps in the river, and he swims across in about two hours, makes it to the other side. 
While he's praying, the other, another guy gets on his knees and he says, God, give me the strength and the tools to make it across this river before the waters rise and before the rain comes in. And he prays and God, poof, he gets a strong, big arms, big legs, big back and a boat. And he gets across the river in about an hour. While they're praying their prayers, the third guy gets down with him on his knees and he says, oh God, please give me the strength and the tools and the ability and the wisdom to get across this river before the water comes and before the storm comes in. And poof, God turned him into a woman. And he opened up the backpack and he pulled out a map and saw the bridge is just five minutes that way. And he walked across the bridge. Now, if you're a man in this room and you got offended by that joke, we can talk afterwards about your sense of ego, right? Come on. Y'all know that's true. Don't we do that? How can I figure the way out using my ability, using my strength and know-how? And sometimes the answer is very simple right in front of us. If we trust in our ego in times of the storm, we're going to fail. We're going to blow it. Don't let your ego drown you when the waters start to rise. Make sense? Who do you trust in the storm. Do you trust in your ego? Let's keep reading. Verse 13, when a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly and a wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew, out, blew us out to the sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. We sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Cauda, where there was great difficulty. We hoisted aboard the lifeboat being towed behind us. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. They were afraid of being driven across to the sandbars off Syrtis off the African coast, so they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. The next day, as gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for how long? Many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. What a burn, right? What about a I told you so moment, right? That someone said, yeah, thanks, Captain Obvious. We, we figured that. We're, we're in a bad news. Paul has no chill, like Paul tended to not have any chill. And he says, gather around. I have a word from God. I told you so. Like, that's totally not helpful at all in that moment, right? They're all freaking out. They've been several days in this storm, and Paul gathers, the route, gathers them around, and the first words out of his mouth told you, we could have avoided all this if you'd have listened to me. If you'd have just listened. See, some people trust in their ego in the time of storm, and then others trust in their emotions. Trust in their emotions. I've shared this with you all before. Research shows us we have about 412 unique emotions that humans can feel on any given day. If you can feel 412 different ways, imagine the roller coaster that many of us ride every single day, right? 
412 different emotions. And what if every person lived the full expression of every one of those emotions? What a crazy, upside-down world we would live in, right? Just take sadness, for example. What if we lived the full expression of sadness every day? What if we let sadness rule our lives? What kind of life would we have at all, right? What a dark place that we would be in. Some people, they respond to sadness in different ways. Some people respond to sadness by crying, others by lying in bed, others, as you know, by hurting themselves, others by hurting others. God gave us all of our emotions to manage and to live with. That's why the Bible tells us, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So it's not a bad thing to be sad. It's how we manage that sadness. And again, we've, we've talked about this in previous messages, but we can't place our faith in our feelings because our feelings will betray us. Our feelings are not always representative of what's true. At our One Church staff, we talk about that all the time. Is this how you feel or is this what's true? Because what you feel and what's true may not always be the same thing, and it's important to differentiate that. In hard times, we have to put our trust in God, not in our emotions. Look at what the crew did in that story, trusting in their emotion. A gentle wind comes up so they feel confident and they ignore God's word from Paul and they sail on anyway. Then the storm hits them and they begin to panic a little bit. But then they feel a strong sense of pride so they start trying to fight the storm. They start trying to do battle with it. Then they become distraught. They give up and start throwing things overboard. Finally, they collapse into a depression. All hope is gone. And that's when Paul chimes in with his classic, I told you so. Many of us have been in the storm too. And like those men, we ignored God's word. We ignored the wise counsel and we headed for danger. But instead of returning back to the safety of God, we head deeper into the storm, trying to figure it out on our own, trying to fight back on our own. That fails us and then we panic and we tear things up. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe we start burning bridges, thinking that that's going to help us in the storm. And then finally, we come to the end of ourself, and sadly, I've seen too many people give up all hope. We let our feelings control us, and it spins us out of control. You try serving 412 masters and tell me how that works. Can't do it. You can't do it. I'm going to invite the band to come back up because I want us to prepare our hearts for what's going to happen in this next passage. Now, please don't leave. This message is far from over. We are not done with service at all. So this is not the time to get up and leave, go get your kids. They're not going to be ready. The service is not over. But what's going to happen next in this story I think is very powerful for us. I think it's just important that we pause in this moment to really think about who are we trusting when the storms and when the junk and when the drama happens in our lives. What do you put your faith in? Who do you believe in times of storm? Who do you trust in the storm? Some trust in their ego. Others trust in their emotions. But what if I told you there was a better way? What if I told you there was someone we could really put our hope and our trust in? Here's what Paul says after his I told you so in Acts 27, verse 22. Paul says, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I stood beside, he stood beside me, and he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, 
God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God it'll be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. For the Lord Almighty, your every word is sure, and in your life,
Don't let the storm blind you from the one who's beside you. In the middle of your storm, you can try to hold on on your own and make it on your own. Or you could do what Paul did. Paul said in the middle of that storm, I believe God. At the end of the day, you can take away everything Paul told the crowd. What he really said to them is, listen, I know everything sucks right now, but I believe God. I believe God. Don't let the storm blind you to the one who's beside you. Luke goes through painstaking detail in that text to describe to us this storm. I almost, it's almost like he had a voice recorder with him. So much detail that goes into it. And he wrote that with such detail to really show us just how supernatural this mission to Rome really was. God had committed to Paul, you are going to stand before great kings and rulers and tell them that Jesus is alive. God spared Paul through so many different things, getting beaten and shipwrecked and stoned, beaten with rocks, all kinds of other things he'd gone through to get him right to this point. And so the Lord spoke to Paul earlier on. We read this in Acts chapter 23. God told Paul, take courage for you have testified about me here. You're going to testify about me in Rome. And so Paul, he knew who he believed. He knew he trusted. He trusted in God, and he knew that God was able. In fact, the Scripture tells us Paul was fully persuaded, kind of using his own language. Paul was fully persuaded that God was able to do the thing that he promised. He knew that God would bring him there. In the middle of the storm, in the middle of the trial, when surrounded by darkness and despair, one voice rose above the noise of the storm, and it was God's voice. Paul had confidence in the middle of that chaos that they were in, the ego, the emotions, the drama, the panic, the wind and the waves, Paul had confidence because he knew that God stood beside him. He knew the one who was with him even in the middle of that mess. And guess what? He's right beside you. Don't let the storm blind you from the one who's beside you. Where are you at with all of this this morning? Who are you trusting with the junk you're dealing with in your life right now? How does it feel knowing that you can actually choose to trust God and watch him lead you and guide you through the storm? One of my favorite Jesus stories in all of the Gospels, it's found in Mark. It's one of my favorite, favorite stories. In my old office, I used to have a painting of this story on my wall just because it was so important to me. But it talks about just how much we can know he's with us in the storm. Let's read it. It's found in Mark chapter 6. I'm sorry, reading in verse 47. It says this, Late at night, the boat was far out at sea. Jesus was still by himself on land, and he could see his men struggling with the oars, the wind having come against them. At about four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the sea. He intended to go right by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and screamed, scared out of their wits. Jesus was quick to comfort them. Courage, it's me. Don't be afraid. And as soon as he climbed into the boat, the wind died down. They were stunned, shaking their heads, wondering what had gone on. They didn't understand what he'd done at the supper. None of this had yet penetrated their hearts. Who do you trust in the storms? These disciples, all they saw was struggle. 
All they saw is, we're out in this boat, and we're not going to make it. They saw struggle. They saw the wind, and they felt the, the, the tension that was there, the darkness around them, hopelessness of their situation. They trusted in their own ego. They trusted in their own feelings. They trusted in their own intellect being able to get out of that. They gave in to fear, and yet look at the story. Jesus was watching them the whole time. Sometimes all we see is the stress and, and the circumstances, so we panic. These disciples in this boat, they start panicking. They start freaking out. They actually screamed, right? Screamed, raved their hand. Could you imagine these manly fishermen seeing Jesus walking on the water? They scream and panic like you would too. Don't act like you'd be all tough. And they scream. And as soon as he climbed into the boat, what happened? The wind died down. If we aren't careful, we can miss Jesus walking by in the middle of our storms. So be encouraged. He's watching. He's present. Let him in the boat. As soon as he gets in the boat, everything changes. Who do you trust in the storm of your life? Are you trusting in your ego? Are you trusting in your emotions? Or are you this morning trusting in God? If you're here and you don't follow Jesus at all, you're not into all of this God stuff, maybe you've tried it the other Ways, And I'm convinced that the only reason you would be here on a Sunday morning if you didn't believe in God is because there's something inside of you that says, I've tried doing it those other ways, and it's not really working. So I invite you, trust, take that first step towards Jesus today by trusting him with your life. What do we do with all this? we got to land this plane. What do we do? Several things, and this is very important. This is all good Bible story and good theater, and, and it's never our intention for you to just leave here with the feel goods. I want to give you something that's going to make you mad this week, that's going to challenge you, where you're going to say stupid sermon, like when it happens during the week, like that's my goal. I stay up at night thinking of ways to make you actually have to apply the Bible. And I only do that because God made me apply it first when I wrote it two months ago. So just letting you know all of that. First thing we need to do is avoid the avoidable storms. Avoid the avoidable storms. This week, ask yourself, am I heading into danger on purpose? You know what I'm talking about. You're about to make a decision. You're about to make a purchase. You're about to go to a place. You're about to pick up the phone. You're about to send that text. You're about to have that conversation. You know the thoughts in your head, and they're on the tip of your tongue. And if you let those words out, you are going to go into a storm that you could have avoided if you just shut up if you just turned off the TV, if you just walked out of the room, if you just put the credit card down, you could probably avoid the storm that you might get into this week. If you find yourself this week headed into an avoidable storm, turn around. Second thing is storm-proof your life. Storm-proof your life. We learned this in hurricane country, right? You got to get your wood and make sure you got your water supply and your drugs and all of that. None of that's going to make the hurricane go away, by the way, but it could make the impact of the inevitable storm a little less damaging. Make sense? This is the importance of community. This is the importance of daily talking to God through prayer, daily being in the Bible. So that way you have the equipment for the storm that you're going to face. You already have God's word in you. You already have a support system of people around you that can help you. So if you're trying to do life on your own, stop. Stormproof your life. Get some community. Get some help. Third thing is get rid of what you don't need. You see in the story how they're throwing stuff overboard. The Bible tells us in Hebrews to throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. Some of you need to move away from a toxic relationship that keeps sucking you into all of these storms. Some of you need to let go of the harmful habit that's ruining your life. Stop 
letting that thing control you and instead get rid of all of the stuff that easily entangles you and trips you out. That's all part of the process. Get rid of what you don't need so that when you're in the storm, you can survive, you can make it. And then finally, and most importantly in the storm, stay in the boat. No matter how rough the seas, no matter how rough the storm, don't try to swim on your own. There's sharks in those waters, right? We've done several shark series now at our church, so you know, listen to some of those. Don't just go out on your own and try to swim on your own. Stay close to Jesus, because he's in the boat, right? Stay close to Jesus. Stay close to the church, and you will make it. Don't let the storm blind you from the one who's beside you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the power of your word. Help us to live it out. Help us to trust in you, God, with all of our heart, to not lean on our own understanding, to not try to figure it out, but to instead... God, build our foundation on you, the solid rock. Help us. Right now, you know what every person in this room is facing and fighting, and God, I just know you're bigger than all of that. You're the only person who's ever told a storm to be quiet, and it listened. God, you tell the winds and the waves, and you do that in the most literal sense, so God, I know you can do it metaphorically in the storms of our life. Help us to trust in you. If there's someone here who's never yet said yes to you, God, let this be the moment that they just say, God, I'm sorry. I'm tired of trying to do it on my own. Forgive me. Help me. I want to be more like you. And God, I pray that you would help, that you would heal, and that you would bring wholeness to those situations. Thank you so much that when we confess our sin, you're faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Help us, God, to live for you. We trust you. We believe in you, God. And we want to worship you because you are good, because you've done great things, and because you never, ever leave us floundering in the sea, God. You never fail. In the strong name of Jesus.